Welcome to the locker room brought to you by the Tech Locker. Um, this is the very first episode of the locker room. The idea being that we bring uh, professional insight into the locker room to share the views, thoughts, you know, the real thought leadership, deep uh, sort of opinions of, of what matters. People who've been there and done it. Maybe people who haven't been there and done anything doesn't really matter. It's about bringing people into the locker room to get their views down uh, around all things technology, leadership and strategy, which is which is what the, the, the tech locker looks to deliver. Um, so like, subscribe. I think you meant to point around the screen at things that appear. We'll get there. Uh, but like, subscribe, comment. You know, if you want to appear in the tech locker, come and have a chat. Please let me know. Uh, we've got a fantastic list of people who do want to follow this up with their own views around their own disciplines and different areas. Um, so really excited about what's to come uh, on this particular channel as well. But do like and subscribe to keep in touch um, and, and very much uh, help us improve by giving us your comments as well. Um, today, we've got someone who quite simply oozes passion about what they do. You know, I've, I've, I've never seen anybody who... You know, the old cliche, cut them in half, it, it says something in the middle. This guy oozes passion. Uh, do you know what? I'll just let, I'll leave it there. I'll let, I'll let him introduce himself. So please welcome for the very first, the inaugural uh, locker room interview, Mr. Lee Summerfield. Lee, tell us all about yourself. What, what an honour to be the, the first one in the locker room. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely uh, delighted to be here and, and chat with you about... Uh, yeah, all things UX and stuff. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm head of UX at, at AJ Bell. Um, I've been a designer all my life. Twenty, my twenty seventh year actually as a designer, and um, my fifteenth year as a UX designer. So yeah, I've been around the block. Um, probably forgot more than I've learned over that time as well. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to sort of sharing some views. You, like you said, I'm extremely passionate about this stuff. Uh, I love talking about UX. Um, so this is a great platform. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, and the first one, feel pressure. You're pressured by being the first guest, setting the bar? No, no not at all. I'd be disappointed if I wasn't the first one, let's face it. <laughs> Uh, and you, you're an artist as, as well you know you talk, you're literally spanning the whole uh range of creativity then indeed yeah even got paintings going on behind me i think there um yeah yeah i am this is uh, the sales pitch for you yeah uh, absolutely um yeah no i am just a, a creative but naturally creative person i just um uh i always have been um it's just the way that my mind functions um uh and and how that's you know i, I know some of the discussion that we'll be having today about um i think like my perception of design how that's changed um how i see the industry changing and all stuff like that but um yeah even when i'm not uxing i'm still being creative by you know it's it's just the way i relax as well Quite right, quite right. So, little nice little insight into what's to come to keep people interested. I like it; it's good. Um, so, let's get into it then. So, what's what's your um, what's your definition of of design of, of UX? You know, because a lot of people you talk to them, you get ten different views from ten different people. So, you know, you live and breathe this stuff. So, what 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 do you consider the definition to be? 
Definition-wise, I mean, I, I, I've never gone far away from NNG Group's definition. It's been there for years. You know, UX encompasses um, the end user's interactions with a company, its products and its services, right? Bump, there you go, in a nutshell. Um, I know when I've been bringing on and building teams, I, I get people to, to sort of memorise that. So when they're going out and people, you know, what is UX? Because like you say... You get some varied answers around that. So um, I think my philosophy around UX, around design, is always to try and keep things simple. It's built from foundations and stuff. So so that's a definition I think that like anyone can understand. It's also my license. I've used that as a license to stick my nose in and get involved in stuff. And, you know, like, so when you get that, people, well, who are you and what, what you're doing? Well, you know. Uh, this encompasses end users. I'm in that sort of thing. So um, I think like if you break it down a little bit, think about like the word, uh, well, user or customer, CX, UX, they're they're part of the same sort of family. Um, The word experience, I think is interesting because ultimately experience is about how you feel about something. I think that's one of the things that I love about, um, the job that I do, if I was in front of a group of people and I asked you to talk about um, a great experience that you had, or conversely, I asked someone to talk about a really horrible experience they had, ultimately what they would do is tell me how it made them feel, right? So um, I, I, I love that aspect of it, that it's not... You know, we're not ticking boxes or anything like that. It's 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 about feeling and stuff. Um, so let, let's let's touch on that a little bit because I think um, it's it's one of those it's one of those roles that is uh, kind of intrinsically linked with technology, with web products, with with technology based products. But you know, you're talking about experience there at a level that is it transcends technology. It's it's way more than that. Um, do you consider the kind of the user experience that uh, is applicable? You can execute that outside of tech as well as as obviously in, in that in that stack. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, and I think that's you know that's one of the things where we've seen UX grow. And, and like I mentioned, CX before as a, as an example. Um, to me, they're all sort of part of the same family. I mean, like if. If we were to sort of concentrate on a, on a um, let's say we had an app, right, and it was um, so someone come to a website, they really like the website, they downloaded the app, perfect, they beautiful onboarding that they went through, and so far their experience is absolutely fabulous, lovely, jubbly, and then they log onto the app and whatever it is, and then they hit a problem and they call up the customer services team, and then they're answered the phone by yeah, what? Can I help you? Well, all of a sudden, that's part of the experience, right? So, you know, and that's not tech. That That's a human interaction with someone. Um, so I think UX goes way beyond, um, you know, creating UI and stuff like that. It's about how we see um, how these things link together. When, when, when someone, if, if a user or a customer is talking about their experience of a company, um, they don't just go like, oh, well, you know, I like that bit of it or that. Everything to them is joined together, right? So when, when we talk it's about... A, it's a culture almost. You're describing a, a, a business-wide culture. 
regardless yeah, of whether it's a, a website or a, a service model or whatever it's, yeah. a, it's a culture a little bit i suppose a little bit like you know devops in the, in the sense of it's not a person necessarily or a, or a tool or a thing it is much more of that kind of cultural uh space that that that's that journey around shifting a, a mindset and the culture across yeah. the business so you must have come up against hurdles of people who don't get what you do and just think that you're you just make things pretty, right? The amount of times I've heard that. Um, so how how do you go about embedding that culture that that shift? Um, yeah, absolutely. Come across people where you know um, they don't get what we do. I, I, I um, and and I used to get really annoyed with that as well. Or oh, you, you're the guys who just make things look good, like you know. No, I, I, nowadays I've got a lot better at that. I, I sort of rub my hands together and go, "Okay, let's let's change your mind." <laughs> sort of thing. Um, I think so. I, I've been at companies where I've I've failed, right? I think that's important to put out there. I'm actually proud of the scars that I've got, um, and and because of those experiences, um, I've then gone on to other companies where you know I have succeeded. Um, my my um what i believe in in terms of design hasn't changed between a place where i failed or a place where i've succeeded actually then it comes down to things like you talk about like culture and stuff like that and uh the types of people that you can engage with so like as a i guess as a as an example where i failed before trying to embed ux like upwards and hitting those ceilings or hitting places where you can't get past actually places where I've succeeded. Then I've gone, right. I've learned from that. When I go into this place, I'll go to the top guy and I'll go, I'll go down. Right. So if I can engage with the CTO or the MD or whoever it is and get them on my side, then you, you they provide you with that air cover then that when you're then sort of going through uh, different people and working with products and working with people who perhaps don't, um fully get what you're doing you know that you've got that support from 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 the top so i think that's been um definitely an observation of mine that that helped me i think i think you just touched on a really good point there around <coughs> excuse me um around how deep you have to go through the organization you know, and you, you have your natural when, when you're talking about your kind of traditional ux in the tech-based landscape you've got your very traditional touch points bas your product guys um you know your, your smes across the business but as soon as you get to, to sort of that level then you are needing to train people in a language as well a language of of how you know you talk and you present and you bring people with you on the on that journey um some you know you and i've have got some of the similar same scars at least in the sense of you know i've had people saying it's not necessary why why are we investing in that team we've got this far without them so what's what's changed? What have you seen over all of those years where you kind of go, do you know what, maybe 20 years ago, you didn't need a Lee or you certainly didn't need at least a, a team of, of UX, UI designers, but now you absolutely do. So what's been the shift? Where was the inflection, do you think? I think, well, I think now more businesses are understanding that the, the power of UX, if you wish, is, is the... And to me, it provides it's the ultimate competitive edge, right? Your more traditional USPs of of perhaps something like price or you know, how do you stand out from the competition? Um 
you know, something like price, you can squeeze, you can say, oh, we're the cheapest, and you can squeeze that and squeeze that, but it's finite, right? Like, they only go so far before then the business goes, well, actually, we're, we're not making any money here or something like that. Whereas something to do with an experience, like we've touched upon how someone can perceive your company, um, well, that's that's never finite. That, that can constantly get better all the time. So it becomes this... Um, competitive edge that you as a business you can control as well if that makes sense and because um, you talked a little bit before about like how it links with things like if if I sort of say I often compare if use the analogy of a of a body right and, and think of a business and and depending on who I talk to you can go to like customer service team say you're the heart of this operation right you, you know these big internal you know or marketing you're the brain right? You're the brains here, you, you know, you can really G them up and get them sort of interested and bought into that. What's UX? What's UX is one of them things. And I, I like, I liken us to, we're, we're the veins or the nervous system. We're the thing that links all these big organs together sort of thing. So when you talk about that competitive edge, it's about, yes, it's about technology, uh, but it's also about brand and, and all these other things that, that we're trying to link together to provide that experience. And then it is about, you know, liaising with customer services and the people that are on the phones to people and understanding all that and making them part of it as well. So um, to me, that that's where it's changed. Um, I think, I think, as I say, it's, it's the ultimate competitive edge. And I think more and more businesses are realizing that now, especially in the world that we are with, you know, phones and, and apps, and it's so easy to download stuff now. And and um, all of us of you as users have certain expectations now about things. I'm going to come back to that. That's a good point. I'm going to come back to that one in a second. But, you know, it, it would be remiss as we're in the locker room not to use some kind of sporting analogy. And, and you, know, you, you said there around, you know, how who's, who's the brains, who's the heart, that kind of thing. And, and I get that. I think we've all heard that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, do you do you almost feel that your teams are kind of like the really good referee that you know at the end of the game you, you haven't even really seen the referee you didn't notice that he or she was there you just know the game played brilliantly seamlessly and and it didn't stop and it flowed and you know re- regardless of your sport the, the the person with the whistle didn't hold it up and they're a really great referee do you almost see your teams as if we're doing our job we're kind of almost forgotten about because it just happens. It, it's yeah. almost people consider it a very natural thing in the end, even though a lot of time and effort has gone in to take people on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've, I've never thought about it in them terms before, but maybe I'll start taking a yellow card and a red card into work. <laughs> I, I really like that idea and a whistle. That, that'd be great. Um, no, absolutely. You know, um, that idea touched upon that word expectations um one one of the things that um i really love and I, and i get all my guys to think about this um is uh kano modeling um uh, um i don't know whether we've ever talked about it before um but there's basically this this um japanese professor back in back before even computers were a thing right and he he worked out this graph around expectations and there's a part of this graph that talks about people's basic expectations about stuff so you're just touching there about that referee of like you almost don't know he's there so that idea of basic expectations 
is the only thing to remember about them is you can only ever get them wrong, right? Even if you get them right, no one really cares, yeah. right? But if you get them wrong, well, you're going to hear about it. That's that a great point. And and if you if you're not willing and, and on K on a Kano model, actually the basic expectations take the most resource, it takes the most time, it takes the most money, it takes the most focus. And but to if you're explaining that to you know someone on the business side of things, that they're going, yeah, but it never gets us above that neutral line, like you know, but we've got to get there, right? And then we can start talking about. How do we make things delightful? How do we go about really sort of making this an unbelievable experience for someone? Like, forget about that. If you're not meeting basic expectations, forget about the rest. Yeah, what? What? I mean, I think that's a fantastic point, and 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 I think many of us can appreciate, like you say, that expectation level where yeah, no, no one ever tells you. Well, rarely do you get that's amazing, that's brilliant. You get told what's gone wrong there. Why is that broken? Um, and and I think never more so. I would imagine when you when you the the shop window, and that's that's ultimately what uh, a really good UI and a good experience that backs that up is. Mm-hmm. You touched a minute ago or so around um, you know apps and and consumer expectations, and and I think the way I see the the shift over years is that's that's changed quite a lot from a from a corporate sense, in as much as. You know, you used to turn up at your desk, you'd sit with an enormous box in front of you and you'd click a couple of icons and you'd, you'd just do your thing and then you'd go home. And we didn't have all of this smart technology around us to reset our expectations. Yeah. Um, and so as, a, as, as Joe Public, you know, you go home, you play your games on your phone or you use whatever apps you use to track mileage or tax or anything else you might, you might choose to, to use it for. You know, you can't leave the office these days because you've got all of your Teams apps and everything else on in your hand in the palm of your pocket. Um, so, um, how has that changed? How do you stay current and make sure that you can still deliver an experience that meets those expectations? And that bar's seemingly constantly changing now. But how do you make sure that that you can stay current and deliver against web, mobile, wearable? Even that that's a challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think the the answer to that, um, I think, basically, it just comes down to research, right? I I, th- I think like one one of the biggest battles that that we have is this idea of embedding research into stuff because actually companies want to churn things, they want to get it out quick, and like it's the first thing to go. Like we haven't got time for that, right? And actually, it's changing that mindset that's half the battle. So you're just talking about like how things quickly change and stuff like that. If we're not doing proper research, if we're not understanding what those basic expectations of people are and the fact that they're shifting all the time, right? If you think about... um, the thing is, you could, you could come up with something that you think is a delightful experience. Let's see, And let's think about like something like a car, for instance, right? In um, back in our day when we were starting to learn to drive, but you had a choke on your car. Most like if we've yeah. got any like right, so like chokes don't exist anymore, right? Let's bring it back up to sort of modern day. One of the delightful. I've not got one in my car, but I know people who have got one. A button that you press and it will reverse parallel park for you, right? Delightful, 
I, I'll like in five or ten years, that will just become a basic expectation of people, right? And you will have a whole generation of drivers who literally don't know how to park because they've just got a button that they press, and that will become an absolute basic expectation. So if when it's so like the things that you talk about there, how do we keep on top of things? You've got to keep asking people. You've got to understand pain points. You've got to do the research on stuff. Um, and I do think in, in our world sometimes that people see the output, right? They see the UI. They see, like, oh, it looks nice and all that sort of thing. But actually, that's just an output of so much other stuff that goes on in terms of that research, in terms of that um, engaging with users and trying to understand what it is and putting things into context and, and all that stuff that goes on to help deliver a design sort of thing. Yeah. No, that, so th- there's a couple of things in there. I'm going to come back to one of them shortly. Um, but I think what you've started to slide us towards there is uh, this, like I said, the, the shifting expectations, these really lovely features, and you know, increasingly so, AI is influencing our world. You know, it's, I, I put a post up the other day around how AI has become the new I. You know, you put AI on something, and like I did with a can of pop that was flavoured by AI because I was just curious, you buy it. You know, I'm a marketing dream. I'm yeah. just like, stick somewhere <laughs> on it, make it pretty, I'm going to buy it. Um, but I do believe that, you know, we, we can dilute the impact and the positive effect of AI. Uh, on, a, on a role level, on a doing-your-job kind of scale, yeah, there's, there's a lot of fear that AI is going to replace many roles, whether that's your kind of skilled labor in warehouses through through robots and the like, or whether that's in technology. And I know there's a lot of tools uh, you know, to, to, to support engineers. Where does where uh, UX, where do designers fit in with the AI landscape? Is this something that you're looking over your shoulder uh, at, or is it something that you're positively embracing? Um, I embracing i i I think that those people who fear ai like um will almost by that sort of attitude sort of like it like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost sort of thing i think there's there's aspects of ai that are sort of really um interesting um i think it will become like there's some really great plugins that we can sort of automatically use, for instance, on Figma. Like back in the day, we used to use like Lorem Ipsum and stuff like that, right? Now, you know, I'm going back years, but like nowadays, actually, we want to design content first and stuff like that. It's more difficult to do. Actually, we can get AI to help us with that. And we can plug it into Figma and tell it to turn out some cut. So as a design, like, like, whereas before I might be waiting for something, actually, now I can plug AI in and that really helps me with my job sort of thing. So I think, there are aspects of AI, and I'd go for for anyone in tech really to use AI in a way that will make their job easier. And I think there's loads of opportunities in that. I don't believe that AI is going to like um, certainly from a creative angle. Um, I've got no fears that 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 AI is going to start designing stuff uh, because or. Designing stuff in a way that, like, if we think about, like, creativity and stuff, um, 
you know, us, us right side brain sort of thinkers who are a little bit crazy and stuff like that. Um, I think it's all you let the left side brain, you've got to worry about stuff or because I think that can actually be churned out in AI number crunching and not, like you're doomed. Us creators, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 actually think, <laughs> I actually think like from the creative side of things, it, you know, how do you create something that's unique right constantly how do you get like um i mean i struggle with that i've like just said before what 27 years experience like i yeah. like I, I just can't see ai coming along and like churning stuff out that's unique that we're that we as people who will consume the stuff that it creates will accept as oh i really like that I think, like, like users have got, a, 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 we will recognise it, and we will get bored of it yeah. because it's not truly unique. No, I think that yeah, and you make make a good point, and and um, I'm, I'm sure you you jest by suggesting. Of course, do, I jest. But I think um, <laughs> automation is a big driver across all industry, yeah. right? You know, we we want to be able to make things faster. We're always we're always on the yeah. hunt for things to be faster, quicker, slicker. Um, and yeah, you know, that that is what it is. So I think automation is a massive part of that. But there is no, uh, you, you can't divorce yourself from human experience, and yeah. you know, experience in the sense of yeah. But I've seen that before, and I, and I know that some, where something says that's not real, I can tell you that actually what's happened is it's it's just backwards in the machine, or it's folded over, or whatever it might be. You know, you, that that human experience, that touch element. You know, the, the, you can't remove that completely. And so you point around driving something that's truly unique. You, I, I genuinely don't feel well. Your your real sort of positive embracing of, of AI to generate content and all of the things you touched on there. I think that's magic, and and most most disciplines will do that. You know, the use of copilot in in engineering to do a lot of the work that should just be automatically done so that we can get to the real bulk of the innovation. Yep. And I think that's that's the heart of what we all really strive to do right in technology we want to be innovative we want to be creative in whatever whatever shape or form that is um so i think i think that's i think that's an exciting place to be and, and yeah. certainly one from a from a, a right-sided brain uh, perspective <laughs> i can i can see how that that works um all right quick gear change uh yeah. career how what was your what was your path in a bit of a nutshell how did how did you go from 20 odd years ago to present day running a team um yeah so always been a designer graphic design started out with web design so back in you know I, I took a trip out to the states back in 98 it was dot com this dot com that everywhere i was a graphic designer at the time switched to becoming a web designer learned a bit of html um joined an agency worked on the agency side for about 10 years in in various different roles um and then got into UX, um, working for NICE, um, not the Biscuits, unfortunately, but the National Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, and actually, I was really lucky because I joined them at a time when they were uh, they were way ahead of their time, actually. We were back in like 2010, and we were creating a design system for 15 different online products before the term design system even existed. Um, and I thought I spent four and a half years there. I, I, I was perhaps a little bit naive in that I thought like 
that's the way everywhere worked. Because um, they did really great research. Um, we would, you know, we would be speaking with doctors and nurses and they would be feeding back on stuff and, and then we would implant. And it was, it was like, you know, this this is, when, we, when you talk about UX processes and things like that, it was, it was fabulous. Um, and then um, from there, I, I stayed in healthcare, worked for a company that designed PaaS systems. Um, that was the complete opposite of NICE. Like that was the, um, um, you know, these, what I sort of said, silo teams and it felt as if they were all competing against each other whereas you know ux like i said before we're the thing that tries to link everything together right and when you're all so even dealing with silo teams it just felt wrong um and then from there i made the switch to aj bell um so i've been at aj bell five and a half years now um i was pretty much the first UX person in, in the head office in Manchester. Um, now there's now nine of us, um, wow. which is amazing. Um, and we've gone from um, AJ Bell, really interesting in terms of the, there's there's um, two very distinct distribution channels in terms of an advice side uh, platform and then a D to C side. Um and and basically, we've created a, a centralized UX function um, and then dedicated product teams. So, you know, dedicated advisory sourcing UX and stuff. We are we sit in tech, which I think is the right place for us to sit. Um, so we don't actually report into product. I, you know, we're there to challenge them, which I think is yeah. the right place for us to be. Um, and yeah, and, and we're, we're on you know, a journey of, of, of sort of raising the, pro- continue to raise the profile of UX. As I said before, when we were talking about, you know, that ultimate competitive edge, one of the things that I love about what we do is it never ends, right? We get something out and then we're constantly thinking, how do we make that better? How do we make yeah, that better? That's, that's the magic, isn't it? That's, I think that's what gets, that's what gets a lot of us out of bed to, to go and do that. How do we, all right, that's good. How do we make it better? You know, how do we, how do we, and, and again, there's, we're running out of unique ideas. I think regardless of which domain you work in, I think there's there's very few truly unique ideas out there. It's about how you make better use of modern or different or emerging technology to drive it and evolve it to that that next level uh, and fundamentally give people, uh, give consumers, whether that's business or, 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 or private consumers, uh, you know, what, what they need. Um, and so a team of nine is fantastic. Uh, and it's quite a luxurious position. I think most businesses will probably be uh, super ecstatic about having that wealth of talent. It's that time of year where you know we've got we've got uh, kids at school. Say kids shows how old they are now. We've got kids at school who are considering their options, their career uh, journeys for for themselves, and they're trying to. Um, I don't know how they do it to be honest, because you've never done all of these jobs, have you? You meant to choose one, but I think you've got to try and pitch yourself in that well balanced. I'll give myself choices, some options. Jen, I suppose that's where the, the name comes from. But what would be your advice, given the the, the depth of, of roles? And, and you, you talked about research earlier, and I know that's a role within the kind of UX space, you know, the user research team. Um, I also know you're a strong advocate of uh, sort of apprenticeships. I believe you've got an award-winning apprentice even on your on your on your books yeah, um so talk us talk us through that what's your advice to a 13 year old right now who's thinking about a possible career in this in this space um 
I, I think there's a lot there's a lot of pressure on kids now to make decisions earlier, isn't there? You know, um, you, you, you just said that 13 year old kid. I didn't actually get into design until I was like 23. I'd already done my degree. I did a degree in English. Like, you know, um, I do think my generation's the last of that that could, like, I went to university just to be university educated, right? But my yeah. degree didn't really matter. Whereas now you're talking about, like you've just said, 13-year-olds who are having to make choices, like, personally, I think far too early um, um, that, that, you know, and, and then you get on to, um, you know, my, my youngest son, my eldest stepdaughter, they've just they've just finished their GCSEs. They're in college now. There's so much pressure on them to to make decisions earlier and earlier. Um, we're we're both um, fans of uh, the TED Talk by um, Mr. Ken Robinson. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. What a talk! Um, if anybody that, hasn't watched that one, go and find that one. That yeah. is that is 15 minutes of your life well worth spending. It's very entertaining and a, and a super insightful um speech around not not educating creativity out of out of yeah. kids basically out of all yeah, yeah. out of kids at a young age yeah. great or, almost how creativity is taught out of us sort of thing as you go yeah. through school and you're and you're taught that um you know like in, in the way that you are educated and exams and all things like that you can't be wrong and don't get that wrong and you know and actually like you I've just had two new apprentices join my team and I'll touch upon apprentices in a bit. And I tell all my team literally on a daily basis, make mistakes. The only, the only time any of my team will get in trouble with me is if they're not making mistakes. Like, and, and, and yet, you know, our whole education system. And like you said, it is, it is a fantastic talk that, um, back to 13 year olds though. I, th I think, um, obviously there's, there's, um, more focus on you know the the core stuff like you know english and maths um and even what the prime minister was talking about those things going all the way up to your 18 sort of thing almost like you know like let's put you in this box and you stay there sort of thing um so i'd counteract that by going do something that, you, that just makes you feel good right and whether that's art whether that's pe whether that's actually history i love his you know like something that gives you the goosebumps or something or something that that like you know when, when i'm talking with um uh people when we're when we're in we've you know we've brought on junior designers we've brought on apprentices really all i'm looking for is that little spark in their eyes right everything else can be taught right but that little spark something that they're passionate about something that they can talk eloquently about and you can see that it gets them excited that's the bit that i'm looking for um so i think you know any kid that, that's thinking about options you know do something that makes you feel good would be my yeah. advice on that um and, and i think i think that that is it in a nutshell isn't it i think you know you, you you've got to you've got to chase what makes it fun yes absolutely um you know for for the point of the record you know you've got to get your maths and your english and all those things of yeah. course you do they are important but you know when when you're considering the what where you're going to be in in 10 years time you know it, it should be doing something for what's that old expression if if you uh if you love what you do you never work a day in your life um, and something yeah. tells me despite 
Um, despite you obviously having a heavy paper round, Lee, you've, you've never worked a day in your life because you clearly <laughs> love what every, everything you do. Um, what, Absolutely. Uh, what's, what's your big hope for the industry? What, what's, what do you, if you were to retire today and you were to sit and, and, and carry on doing your painting in your quiet time, what, do you, what would you hope to read in the press X number of years from now? Um, that ultimately design gets its its seat at the table, if you wish. I mean, um, I think about it like this: you you have uh, in any business, you've got um, a load of people who who look after the business needs, right? Specialists, like like you know, accountants and BAs and product people and specialists in that field that will absolutely sit down. Like there's no business out there that just makes that up, right? Like it's really important, specialist stuff. In tech, you have the same sort of, what's the name? Again, like any technology needs, you don't have a guess at that, right? You've got engineers and developers and people looking after infrastructure. And like it is, again, specialist absolutely needs it. I obviously believe that there's another part in all that balance in that there are user needs to be had. And I think, you know, part of the battle that I've had in my career is that, like, I think there's, depending on the business, whether it's ego or whether it's arrogance or um, something else, the business has got, oh, well, we know what they want. Like, well, do you? Like, I, I think that needs just the special, like UX specialists, researchers, to actually align the business needs, the technology needs, and the user needs, if all that can be balanced out, um, then you can create some like really, really amazing stuff. So my goal, like if if is that UX is is thought of in those, it's the same weight, if you wish, that that balance is there, and we don't have to fight for it. It's accepted. Let them guys get on with it. They know what they're doing and they're doing it for the right reasons as well. Um, Because I think, you know, so if I think about some of the people on my team, junior designers, apprentices, where they're going to be in 10, 15 years time, it will be hopefully not having the battles that I've had to had. I like it. I like it. And I, and I think that's that kind of brings us neatly to the end of what has been a fantastic conversation. But before we go, we're in the locker room. You know, the whole point of the tech locker is that, you know, we, we look to, to protect um, businesses' investment around their technology and, and help them make sure that, you know, everything that they want in that space is, is well looked after. Um, what's in your locker, Lee? What do you what's in your locker that's made you a success? Um. I, I I did a talk actually about twelve months ago. Um, a, a part of that talk was um, I talked about three my three superpowers, um, and actually they're not superpowers. I did have a slide up with this old Superman vest on and all stuff like that, um, but they're not superpowers. Um, they're they're things that you can learn and and establish about yourself. That one of them is that. I'd never thought of myself as a patient person before. Um, and actually, I think it was like my understanding of, of the definition of patience. Like um, it come about from a LinkedIn post where this this guy was talking about he saw patience was a weakness sort of thing. And I, oh, that's quite interesting. And then I realized when I looked at the actual definition of patience that like I am 
I am a patient man. Like patience is nothing about waiting or being passive. Actually, patience means the ability to tolerate something, um, to tolerate it and keep your head, keep an even keel. Don't like, you know. And and so I think in the world that I live in and what I'm trying to achieve, I hadn't really accepted that about myself. So I learned something about myself through that, which is great. Um, so all my guys, you know, have that patience, you know, um, we're there to plant seeds as well. You know, um, we might not see the immediate benefits of what we're doing, um, but they will come if we if we carry on um, having that patience and, and working towards the right thing. Um, my second one is um, a phrase that I use all the time. Flip the coin. Um, I guess. Uh, more educated people than me would call it reframing, right? I, I just truly believe that there is opportunity in every bad situation that there is. Like, Agreed. so, yeah. like, whatever you are faced with, and like, flip the coin. Because if you think that there is something there to be taken from that, there is a positive to be taken. Um, I think back on all my career, um, that has definitely the case um so that's something again that I'd, I'd, I'd love to instill in my team um and the third one we've touched upon it already but like make mistakes like yeah. I, I i am where i am today because of the mistakes that i've made if that makes sense I, and i realize that there's a there's a great uh michael jordan quote isn't there that talks about like the amount of games that he's played and the amount of points that he scored, but also about the the amount of times that he's missed, and like it's his understanding that it's all their misses that made that like like he he realizes without them yeah. he wouldn't be what he was if you know and and, and I get that I absolutely get that so um, again in the creative world that we that that we sort of live in and we're trying to create all these great things. You can't do it if you're not willing to put yourself out there and go, I'll, I'll, I'll get this wrong. I'll get this wrong. I'll get this, like, because then on the 15th variation where you've got it right, you know, and that's a great feeling when you get there. I mean, WD-40 came out of 39 failed attempts, didn't it? Um, yeah. And the, 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 the great man himself, Mr. Nicholas Cage, said in, in a film, uh, you know, without defeat, you can't appreciate success. So, uh, you know, I think I think that's that. Those are, are all really good uh, things to to keep in your locker. Um, Lee, thank you so much for being on this very first episode of of the locker room. Um, thank you for sharing your views, provocative as as always, um, but fundamentally passionate as ever. Uh, and I think that's what that's what people will definitely see. That's that's certainly where I saw uh, some really interesting insights into where you think the industry may go. The use of AI, I think that's key. Um, and you know the 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 real the continued uh, push to get a, a proper seat for design at, at all the tables and all the appropriate tables. Um, thank you so much for your time, uh, everybody. Please like, subscribe, comment. Uh, love to hear your views on anything that Lee's raised today. Um, uh, whether you whether you agree, whether you disagree, it's it's all good debate. Uh, that's the point of this. It's uh, the, there's no one size fits all in any of these conversations. So let us know your thoughts. Um, let us know uh, who you'd like to see or, or what type of person you'd like to see uh, in the locker room as well. Um, and uh, yeah, like, follow us, subscribe, hit all the bells wherever they are. 
um, and uh, make sure you, you keep in touch with, uh, with the locker room. Until next time, thank you guys. Have a good one. Cheers.